the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor. And he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. And now it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your international radio MD. We're on the web at 860-WGUL.com, and we have listeners all over North America now. Surprisingly, I don't know how I did it, but I guess if you have a big mouth and a lot to say, you can gather an audience. We are on WGUL 860 AM, which is talk radio, interactive. And if if you're just joining the show for the first time, I generally have a theme that I stick to, one topic, and I ask questions, and if you answer them, you're going to get a little gift certificate from my wife for $25 to eat at one of the local restaurants. So we are at 813-289-1860. That's 813-289-1860 and 877-969-1860. 8600. That's toll free outside of the Tampa Bay area, anywhere in North America. 877 969 8600. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. I was smitten with this Rosetta mission to land the uh, little probe on the comet that's speeding through space. And this is an unbelievable story. I mean, this little spaceship has traveled almost a billion miles. It's caught up with a comet doing 40,000-plus miles per hour and was actually able to land its little probe, its little module, onto the comet, and this little module has been sending back information. Now, this was started by the European Space Unit, or Space Agency, I should say, and actually the project was first conceived in the 1970s. The European Space Agency realized that for manned missions, and they didn't want to appear to be in any way uh, political or uh, defense, military type of of an agency. So they've stuck to the pure science and sent this unmanned mission. It took 10 years for this little probe, the spaceship, the Rosetta, to catch up to this comet. 10 years. First, the thing going fast enough that it can right alongside of a comet going 40,000-plus miles per hour. So how'd they do that? Well, they used the gravitational pull of the Earth and Mars, the Sun, and Jupiter, and they slingshot, I don't know how you say it in the past tense, slingshot this thing around Earth and Mars, 
until it picked up speed. And how does that work? Well, you know, if you have a piece of string and you have a ball on the end of it and you swing it around, you can get it going faster and faster and faster. Now, if your arm can move at the speed of light, you can get that thing going at the speed of light. Well, instead of using our mechanical work of holding it and slinging it around to try to get it off the planet going 44,000 miles per hour, which can't be done, not with our present technology, they use gravity as their string. And they kept slingshotting this thing around until it picked up enough speed, and they timed it to coincide with the return of this comet, which has a, a time of six years around the sun, that its orbit is six years and they caught up to it and landed this thing on it. It's unbelievable. This comet is about two miles in length, and the little spacecraft is about 50 uh, feet in length. So it's like landing a fly on a moving bullet that's just been shot out of a gun. Pretty cool. So the comet was reached recently, and last week they landed the little probe on it, the spaceship was reached uh, by the to the comet and landed on this comet last week. And the comets are primitive building blocks of our solar system. Basically, they're dirty ice, mostly water, with uh, rock and debris, dust, space dust. And interestingly, we think that the building blocks of life may have come from comets, that the Earth was seeded by comets, not only with water, but also with basic amino acids. And we have found basic amino acids in other projects and other space endeavors, uh, including a couple from the United States. And this has really piqued the interest of scientists. It'll also tell us how our solar system came to be. It'll tell us about the life of these uh, interplanetary bodies that are spinning around the sun comets and asteroids, and it's, it's really a pretty cool endeavor. Well, the reason I bring this up, not only am I fascinated with science, as you know, but in the lunchroom the other day, I was talking about what a feat this was, what a tremendous step forward for humanity to be able to engineer rocketry, uh, computer this little spaceship, halfway across our solar system to intercept a comet that's going 44 miles an hour. Well, Mike and Cedric, my two liberal friends in the lunchroom, when I said it was about a, about 1.5 billion that was spent on this by the European Space Agency, it's about 250 to $3 per person in the EU. I think there are five to 600 million people in, in all the countries that are in the Eastern, that are in the European Union both East and West Europe. And so that's a lot of people, and that's approximately the cost of this thing. And they said, I wonder how many starving children could have been fed by this money. And I was like, dudes, you're missing the whole point here. And I told them that it was unfortunate that there are starving children in the world, and I knew what they were referring to, Somalia. That's what's most recent in their minds, and I'll go into that in a minute. And I said, a few individual lives are worth the advancement that we make in science. Why? 
because our purpose here ultimately outside of religion is to propagate the species which is what the bible said and to make a better place for our offspring to live to try and make it uh, friendlier healthier more conducive so that our species can go on i mean that's what we do that's who we are we are people who want animals who want species who wants to see our species survive and that's our goal is that everybody's goal no but you know on the on the bell-shaped curve most of us fall in there and we and we feel that that's a mission that is god-given or nature-given or however you want to look at it and i think it's a good mission it gives us purpose and meaning and i'm all for that and if a few lives are lost because money was shifted from food to science, I don't have a problem with that. I do not have a problem with that. This is a tremendous engineering feat. This involved rocketry. It involved mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, computer engineering. It involved astronomy and astrophysics. I mean, there's a lot of factors that came into this. And I countered and I said, hey, guys, and that will sense when there's a rhythm disturbance that could kill you or me or any of us, and it sets off a little shock. So if there's a problem with this, uh, then it, it, it's, a, it's not good. But the, the transplant criteria include things like how well the ventricles, the, the big pumping chambers are working, uh, what your ability is to do your activities of daily living, uh, if you have a poor prognosis based on stress testing but does not involve your lungs, it's just your heart that can't get enough blood through the system and pick up enough oxygen to carry on and keep things going. We look at that. We have a scoring mechanism. I'm sure Dr. Debbie knows that intimately. And there's also some things that we look at. They're rare, like tumors inside the heart that you really can't operate on, but they're not cancer. They're, they're, they're big, growing local tumors. And so there are some things that we look at. And as Dr. Debbie said, there are things that we want to do before that, like try and get your arteries to your heart opened up with the, with the angioplasty and the stent, uh, put you on certain medications, give you these devices that will shock your heart or keep it running better we can synchronize the two sides of the heart with our with our pretty fancy pacemaker so there are a number of things that we can do prior to that and we want to see all that done if possible but if not then you're on the list then you're on the list how many people you got on your list right now we probably have about 30 people on our list um we're very lucky here in the tampa bay area that we have a very successful um, organ recovery organization so that we're able to get hearts much more quickly than we can in other places in the United States. So our waiting times are significantly shortened. I'm back. I'm sorry about that, folks. Uh, some problems, and we lost the signal there for a minute. And I was talking about the Rosetta mission, which put the little probe on the asteroid, or the comet, rather, the Rosetta mission and the spacecraft was Rosetta and its little probe was landed on top of this two mile long chunk of ice out in space almost 500 million miles away from us and that's pretty cool 
and you think about the distance this little spaceship traveled to be able to catch up to and connect with the comet that it has landed on. Now this is quite a feat because the scientists had to get the probe going 44,000 miles per hour to catch up to the comet. That's how fast the comet is going. And they did it by using the gravitational fields of Earth and Mars and some of the larger bodies in our in our solar system. And they sped this thing up like a ball on a string, slinging it around till it was fast enough that it could match the same speed as the comet. And the comet has a a round trip of the, around the sun of about six years. So this was all planned beginning in the 1970s, finally funded in the 1990s, and it was shot off in, I believe, 2004. So it's been a 10-year mission that this little spacecraft has been on. Unbelievable. At any rate, I was talking about this in the lunchroom, and Mike and Cedric uh, commented after I said how much it cost, which is about $1.5 billion for the mission. That's about two fifty to three dollars per person in the European Union. It's not a big amount of money per person, but their their comment was, "I wonder how many starving children that could have fed." And I knew what they were talking about. They were talking about Somalia, but I said, "Look, there are going to be people starving always, and science is necessary so that we can better our species and better our ability." To to survive as a species. Well, they didn't like that. And I said, think about all the people that are hired by the European Space Agency. 2,000 plus average salary is fifty to $75,000, which is the same as or a little bit more than our income here on average. And how many families were fed? How many lives were further promoted and educated and maintained in good health? At any rate, so I looked at the the incident that they were talking about, Somalia, and Clinton inherited this situation from George Bush, number one, who had deployed soldiers to Somalia after the uh, after the Civil War and subsequent starvation of peoples who were on one side of the equation or the other. And, of course, the press played it up, and they talked about the lack of crops and the big uh, drought that had already depleted the food supplies of these folks. But basically, there was no problem with us supplying food to Somalia or help of any kind. The problem was is that the two or three factions that were fighting were trying to starve each other out. So they would come and take the food, steal the food from us. And finally, the president had to send in troops to protect the food that was flown into Mogadishu or whatever city he had the big airport. And you guys will all remember that 19 of our soldiers were killed in Mogadishu in Somalia. And it was ill-planned and uh, poorly carried out military operation, if you will. And, of course, Clinton took the blame for that, and his poll numbers were dropping. public was unhappy, so then we pulled out, but then we quietly went back in. And we really haven't done much because this was in 93, I believe, 94, when all the troops were out, 
And Somalia was still in a state of anarchy 15 to 20 years later. Uh, I guess it's working itself out. I haven't seen much news about that. The press is not that interested. Well, you know what? If we can advance science in a meaningful way, it's worth all the starving children in the world because it's going to make it possible for our species to go on. This is how we're bettering ourselves, whether it's through medicine or immunizations or antibiotics or space travel or an understanding of our anatomy and physiology of our biochemical makeup and our genetics. I mean, the more we know, the better off we are. And as a freshman medical student, we went in, charged into uh, Dean Keeney's office. He was the dean of our medical school at that time. And I'd known Dean Keeney since I was born. He was a classmate of my mother's at Uriville Medical School. And we were in it with him, and I asked him, I said, Dean, what is our purpose here? He said, Billy, our purpose is knowledge. And I said, at what cost, Dean? And he said, just this side of insanity and insomnia. And that has stuck with me. I really think that ultimately we have to put knowledge right up there in front with everything else, because without it, we don't learn and we don't grow. I'm going to morph this into another aspect I've talked a little bit about the comment. I'm sorry some of you missed the early part, but those things happen. So what happened to Bill Clinton, by the way? I thought about him. You know, the uh, the guy Gruber that made all these comments about how stupid we are as, uh, as a voting block and uh, how gullible and how childlike we are. This guy was involved, uh, Gruber is an MIT professor and a key architect of the Obamacare involved in that. And some old videos showed him mocking you and me, the voting public. He even appeared before Vermont House Health Care Committee in 2011. And at the State House there, uh, a question was relayed by a Vermonter's concern by one of the state representatives and the the question and the concerns were ballooning costs, increased taxes, bureaucratic outrages, shabby facilities, disgruntled providers, long waiting times, lower quality care, special interest, nest feathering, and destructive wages and price controls. And Gruber's reply was, was this written by my adolescent children? Well, in reality, it was written by a former state, Vermont state senator, John McClaudry, who was an advisor to Reagan in the White House on health care matters. He was a former senior policy advisor in the White House, and he knew something about health care. Well, I said all this years ago when this first came up, so don't tell me you haven't heard it because I told you. And this is just another video in a series showing this guy Gruber dismissing critics and degrading you and me. At another conference in 2013, Gruber said the lack of transparency was crucial in getting the law passed. If you had a law which said that healthy people are going to pay in, and you made explicit that healthy people pay in and sick people get money, it wouldn't have passed. And the lack of transparency is a huge political advantage. And basically, Call it stupidity of the American voter or whatever. But basically, that was really, really critical for the thing to pass. Uh, No kidding. I said that 
years ago. All right, so the big question is, can the House impeach Obama over something like this or something like changing the immigration laws without going through Congress, who actually has that control? Let me tell you a little bit about the history of impeachment in the United States. Two sitting presidents, Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton, were impeached by the House. Impeachment is like an indictment. It's like a warrant for your arrest, so to speak. But you still have a trial, and the trial is in the Senate. Well, a a law was passed after the Civil War uh, intentionally to restrain President Andrew Johnson's actions because he wanted a rapid return of the southern states back into the Union, and the radical Republicans who were in power did not. Now, Andrew Johnson was a Democrat, and I believe he was from, I think he was from one of the northern states, but I can't remember which one, but he was a northern Democrat, and he was opposed to slavery. He was Lincoln's vice president. But he wanted to do things differently than Congress did, and Congress had an overwhelming majority of radical Republicans. So they enacted this law called the Tenure of Office Act, and basically this thing said that a president can't fire one of his cabinet members without the Senate's approval. And it was a muddy law, and it was eventually found to be unconstitutional. It was even repealed uh, about 20 years later. Well, two-thirds of the representatives, or a majority of both houses, passed this law over Johnson's veto. And then Johnson turned around, and while Congress was not in session, he uh, removed Secretary of War Edwin Stanton, a staunch radical Republican. Well, that got the, the Congress all hot and bothered. And they went after him, and they impeached him. And the trial in the Senate failed by one vote. So he was not kicked out of office, but he has had that stigmata of impeachment ever since. And now Bill Clinton does too. The thing that Bill Clinton did, which most people don't understand, is he lied, perjured himself before a federal judge. That's not a good thing. Not at all. I agreed with the House although I'm not sure that I would have voted for it, partly because of the blowback from the left wing. And, of course, they have championed Bill Clinton around the world and have made it sound like he was kicked out of office because he had a sexual affair with someone other than his wife, Monica Lewinsky. And he also had that little problem down in Arkansas with the woman who sued him for sexual harassment. I think her name was Paula Jones. There were four charges, and eventually two were uh, passed in the House for impeachment. And the trial began in the Senate right after the seating of the 106th Congress. There were 55 Republican senators, but that wasn't enough because you need a two-thirds majority to impeach a president, just like you need a two-thirds majority to override a presidential veto. You need two-thirds of the states to agree to any constitutional amendments. 
and that way we protect the uh, states that are perhaps left out or feel they have a point to make and are not allowed to make it. So this, this way everybody gets a, gets a say. And it went right along party lines, but even along party lines, not all the Republicans voted for uh, the indictment of impeachment to throw the president out. So Clinton stayed in office. But this consumed a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of his energy. And the man was depressed, and he was harassed, and he had to give depositions. And I don't care if you're the president or if you're Joe Blow on the street. If you're in a lawsuit, it's nerve-wracking, and it occupies your mind. And that's just the state of affairs. So Monica Lewinsky had not only told a friend, Linda Tripp, that she had had oral sex with the president, but also had emails that the attorney appointed by Janet Reno to conduct the investigation, Ken Starr, had obtained from her computer. How stupid are these people? I mean, for God's sakes, if you're going to do something that's as blatantly ridiculous as that, the least you could do is get it off your your computer, (laughs) you know, crunch your disk. But uh, people are people. And the judge had told everybody and involved the two sides that they could be as explicit as necessary in asking their questions. And Clinton said, well, I interpreted the question this way and and stood up in in public before the nation on TV and said that there's nothing going on between us. And it depends on what you mean. The word is, is, and the word sex is. And so on it went. Well, impeachment is a cloud that can hang over any president's head, especially if he's a president who is at 180 degrees on many issues with the House and the Senate, with Congress. And that's part of the beauty of the system we have is that you have to stop and think long and hard if you're the president before you take unilateral actions that the Congress feels is their domain. And I said to people when they said, he can't tax, he can't uh, fine us or penalize us for not having Obamacare. I said, yeah, he can. It's a tax. We passed an amendment in the 1915-20 era, which are 1910-20 era, which allowed Congress to impose tax. So, of course, that was thrown out by the Supreme Court. However, the part about uh, forcing the states to take whatever the federal government dished out over Medicaid was thrown out because the federal government can't dictate to the states, especially when there's no money involved. So where could Obama be vulnerable? And how could he be thrown out? It's probably going to be difficult and and may not even be politically wise to pick up this uh, line of attack. But he could be impeached over his unilateral move to overhaul the U.S. immigration system and enforcement. And many Republicans are hot about the reports that the president's considering executive action to take the people who are being threatened for deportation, which is about 5 million immigrants, out of the deportation line. And so these are people whose kids were born in the United States, mostly Mexicans, 
and the parents have stayed illegally. Well, the kids are U.S. citizens. They were born here. But the extent and the numbers of people involved would essentially rewrite the law that Congress has imposed. And the White House is imminently arousing the anger of the Congress if he does this. Representative Barton from Texas said last week it would be a consideration to impeach him. And on Fox News Thursday night, Friday night, right-leaning commentator Charles Krautheimer also felt that the Obama immigration order essentially amounted to a breach of the law and would be an impeachable offense. The legal basis for the move would be the ability of the executive branch, the president, to to exercise whatever discretion he has in the prosecution of crimes, ignoring what the House and the Senate have voted into law. Now, that may be an accepted legal practice, and there may be executive privileges, but in this case, the order to exercise discretion and not pursue immigration cases against these millions of people is a unilateral rewriting of the, of the law, according to Krautheimer, which you can't do if you're president. They're not kings or emperors. They can't decree whatever they want. So that's the crux of the current state that these guys are dealing with in the House and the Senate. And I don't think that's the majority of Republicans, to tell you the truth. But I'm going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Don't go away. I got more coming. What a field day for the heat A thousand people in the street Singing songs and carrying signs Mostly say hooray for our side It's time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going Your life it will creep It starts when you're always afraid Step out of line The man come and take you away We better stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going We better stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. A National Security Council spokesman says if the video is authentic, the White House would be, quote, appalled by the brutal murder of an innocent American. ISIS releasing a video today purporting to show the beheading of American aid worker Peter Kassig. ISIS is also claiming responsibility for a car bombing near the Baghdad International Airport. The claim is posted on the militant website, says the attack targeted Americans. The Nigerian army says it's regained control of the northeastern town where more than 200 schoolgirls were kidnapped by Islamic extremists six months ago. The girls are still missing. Recovery workers in rebel-controlled eastern Ukraine have started collecting debris today from the crash site of Malaysian Airlines Flight 17, four months after the plane was brought down, killing almost 300 people. This is SRN News. Captain Matt Bruce, overnight on WGUL. 2.9 million 
of the 8 million that signed up for Obamacare, 2.9 million. They can't confirm who they are, where they are, what they are, if they're even people that signed up. Captain's America. Isn't that something? Overnight, beginning at 2 on Talk Radio 860, WGUL. Hi, I'm Tom Williams. I'm the president of Elise. Since 1995, I've helped thousands of businesses get their equipment financed and provided working capital. We make local decisions, and we're not bogged down by overregulation. We can get your business approved within 24 hours, and if you're an equipment seller, we can help you close more sales. If you're ready to expand your business, let's talk. Call us at 727-209-1200. Again, 727-209-1200. Or visit us online at elease.com. That's elease.com. It takes two of us to deliver a very important message about this radio station. 860 WGUL. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. And this is Dennis Prager. You've heard me talk about the American Trinity, Epora Bazunum, and God We Trust and Liberty, the three things that set the United States apart. It's a powerful idea, Dennis, and this radio station is a place where powerful ideas and principles thrive every day. We never forget that faith and freedom are part of what make our country exceptional. There are some people in high places who apologize for America. That's something this radio station will never do. When you listen to 860 WGUL, we promise not to insult your intelligence and to speak the truth. And we'll prefer clarity over agreement. Right. This is what our radio station is all about. And as long as you're there to listen to us, we'll be here for you. Please tell your friends about it. Absolutely tell our sponsors that you appreciate their support for this radio station, 860 WGUL. They expect a blend of clouds and sunshine today. High 80, partly cloudy tonight, low 66. Warm and humid tomorrow with sunshine giving way to clouds. We'll see a few late in the day or evening showers and thunderstorms. I-79. And Tuesday, windy and cooler with clouds breaking for sunshine, I-59. That's your Iraqi Weather Forecast. I'm Benny Thompson for Talk Radio 860 WGUL. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down And I'm back, this is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. We're on WGUL 860 AM. And I started off talking about the Rosetta mission to land the spacecraft on the on the comet, unbelievably uh, difficult, and what a marvelous feat of humanity to do that, and morphed into talking about the money spent on the project in starving children in Somalia, uh, which really had nothing to do with money or food because there was plenty of both at hand, but it was a civil war and one side was trying to starve the other out and stealing their goods and their supplies. And then morphing into, since that was Billy Clinton's involvement there, his impeachment and Andrew Johnson's impeachment and now the talk about impeaching Barack Obama. And the big thing now, the big buzz is this uh, statement he made that he may allow 5 million illegal 
immigrants, aliens, to stay in the country because they have children that were born here. And, of course, the Republicans are looking at that closely. And some of the Republicans are saying, this is unconstitutional. You're rewriting our laws, and you don't have that authority. We're the legislative branch, not you. Will this happen? I don't think so. Should it happen? I don't think so. But who knows? I mean, you never know what's going to happen in Congress especially since there's a majority that is on the other side of the aisle from the president. And he has really alienated a lot of people, uh, not only with things like this, but with the Obamacare bill, which was uh, deceptive and not transparent and had people who helped write this bill called you and me, the American voters, stupid and children and uh, essentially not looking at things with any kind of a of an objective eye. Now, that may be true for some people, but I think most of us tried to look at this objectively. At any rate, so the impeachment of Obama is up in the air. People are talking about this. And why? Well, because the White House wants to put 5 million of the approximately approximately 11 million undocumented immigrants in the U.S., in a status where they're allowed to be here legally. The Department of Homeland Security has limited resources, and they can only deport a few hundred thousand of, of these illegal aliens annually, and somebody's got to be on the bottom of the list. And so Obama could move them to the bottom of the list. Uh, would he be breaking the law? Depends on who you talk to. The president's discretion is really broad. But as a political matter, he better be careful, because even though the House may impeach you, that doesn't mean that the Senate will uh, vote to ask you from office. And one professor out at UCLA said that, that the crux of the impeachment matter is whether the president has really committed, according to our Constitution, treason, bribery, or other high crimes or misdemeanors, which leaves a lot open but has been reserved for only two presidents. And that's a political and a legal question. What are high crimes? Is doing acts that you do not have constitutional authority to do, is that a high crime? Some people think so. And, of course, Charles Krautheimer has weighed in on this and he thinks that this is an impeachable action. You may not know who Krautheimer is. He's on Fox News. He's actually uh, a doctor. He was in medical school and broke his neck, I think between his junior and senior year, and he's quadriplegic, and he's in a wheelchair. And You don't see that when he's on the air, but if you're perceptive and you look at how he breathes, he breathes much as a quad would where they use their, their neck muscles because the lower muscles aren't working to expand their rib cage and bring air in. So he's an interesting guy, and uh, I like what he has to say. He was born into a liberal Jewish family, and he, he morphed over the years, and he actually ended up admiring Reagan and has devoted himself to being a newsman and a columnist and a political activist. Well, will the House do this? 
Is it illegal? What do you think? Do you think the president should be impeached? And if so, for what reason? Should the president be impeached? And if so, for what reason? I'm at 813-289-1860. That's 813-289-1860. And if you're calling from outside of the Tampa Bay area, toll free in North America, 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. Give me a call. And my question today is, should Obama be impeached and why? What are the grounds for impeachment? I want to know what you have to say. I can tell you what the GOP leadership has said, both uh, John Bonner, the Speaker of the House, and Mitch McConnell, who is the incoming uh, majority of the, uh, the Senate leader, Senate majority leader. By the way, he's from my home state of Kentucky. And in our fashion of trying to be peacemakers, Kentuckians, have long sought compromise on a number of issues going back to slavery. And Henry Clay was a famous senator from Kentucky in the 1840s and 50s who tried to hammer out some bargains to hold the union together. Of course, that didn't work, but at least we Kentuckians try. We just want to be everybody's friend, and we want everybody to like us. Now I'm a Floridian, so I can't say that. I have to root for... University of South Florida football team and basketball team, even though I graduated from Louisville. It's very painful when they play for me. Did the president overreach? (laughs) Has he overstepped his authority? That's the crux, really. And the things that have to be considered by the Democrats is if this is allowed to stand and Congress doesn't do anything and they say, well, yeah, the president has those kinds of discretionary powers. What happens when a Republican president comes in? So you have to stop and think long and hard about whether or not you want to impeach a president. And there's also the blowback of a lot of people in the center saying, this isn't right. It's not that big of a deal. And we want the center votes if we're going to put a president in the White House. The Republicans cannot afford to alienate anybody in the Senate, in the center of the country politically. And we saw what happened here in Florida where a libertarian ran for governor along with Christ and Governor Scott and pulled votes away from Scott, center votes, and made it a very tight race. Scott did win, but not by a whole lot. So you got to stop and think about these things. Do you want to risk having someone in the White House that is not your party when you have given the White House the authority to do things that presumably or legally or situationally should be the power of Congress? Well, Mitch McConnell says that's not happening, we're not shutting the government down or threatening to default on the national debt. And the reason he brought this up was because some of the House Republicans said, well, we're going to tack something onto the appropriations bill, the bill that has to come through every year that says how much the government can spend and 
gives authority to certain agencies to do certain things. And, of course, the president is in charge of the executive branch, so most of the spending is through his department. He's the head of the Army. He's over all the different branches of government, Treasury and Health and Human Services and Defense. And so these appropriations that are made by Congress are to be carried out by the president. And McConnell, Senator McConnell said, it ain't happening. We're not going to allow the House to tack on <clears throat> to the appropriations bill something that says that the president doesn't have this authority and then have an impeachable action. And House Speaker John Bonner also ruled out impeaching Obama, feeling that it would be politically unwise. My personal feeling is that if Congress or the House does impeach him, you're going to make a martyr out of him, not only here, but all over the world. As the first black American president, he's already gained the love and respect of billions of people around the world. Look at Billy Clinton. I mean, he was almost kicked out of office. It wasn't that close, but, I mean, he had a brush there. He had to argue his, his cause. And he was tagged as a as a, how do you say it politely so Barb doesn't get mad? He was sexually indiscriminate as a married man. And that's what the world focused on. That's what the press focused on. Majority of the people around the world and in the United States don't understand that what he did was not have sex with Monica Lewinsky. It was that he perjured himself before a judge in court. And he lost his law license over that, too, for almost a decade. I think they reinstated him in 2009 or 10. He has subsequently become good friends with uh, the Bushes, although they had a bitter battle back in 92. Was it 90? Yeah, it was 90. Or 94, I'm sorry. It was 1994 when Clinton ran against uh, H.W. Bush, and there was a third party candidate, Ross Perot, who got even with H.W. Uh, Senior Bush for not helping him out when Bush was in the CIA. Very wealthy guy. And left the Bushes thinking long and hard about who they do and do not do favors for and how they do that. And you have to be even-handed and you got to help the people out that are helping you as well. So we're not going to shut down the government over, over this. Uh, we're not going to impeach the president over this, even though actions may be impeachable. But I, I don't see us doing that. I don't think it would be a good move politically. And I think it would make it hard for the next president, especially if he's Republican. We, we don't want to hamstring these guys too much whether we agree or disagree, because they have to be very flexible. They have to be able to play all the positions. And in times of national emergencies and wars, we need somebody to step in and assume the role of commander-in-chief of uh, the ultimate authority so that we can get things done. You know, democracies are not very efficient at running wars. And we're not the only empire to have discovered that. The Romans discovered that when they were fighting Hannibal in the, in the game from Carthage. 
and the Romans had two soldiers, two generals, and one would run the troops one day and one the next day. This is what the Senate wanted in Rome. They wanted to be balanced, and that didn't work. And Rome redefined itself after the war with Hannibal, and they lost a few hundred thousand men in this war. And they decided that that's not going to work. One guy should be in charge. Yeah, and we all have to learn that. Every country that has a democracy has to figure that out for themselves, especially in a time of crisis like a war or famine or a national disaster, hurricane, earthquakes. Somebody has to take control and say this is what we need to do, right or wrong. At least the effort is being made. So I'm not sure I want to hamstring this guy. We have to look at how big of an impact would 5 million illegal immigrants make on the country. They're here anyway, and uh, most of them are not going to leave. <clears throat> and it would take a decade to boot them all out. And then you'd have these kids that are American citizens would still have the right to come back into the United States. And along with them, they could bring wife and their own children in future years. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I abhor the idea that the president is sidestepping Congress and the legislation that is in force. But on the other side of the coin, I have to say, is this worth getting in a gunfight over? I'm not sure about that. I don't think we should. Uh, I understand why the House was so upset with Bill Clinton. Uh, he did not cooperate with them on all the things that they wanted. And he stood up in public and lied. And he also stood up in a courtroom in deposition and lied. You know, you can't lie in a deposition if you're a lawyer or a doctor. You'll lose your license. That's perjury. And it's tantamount to the highest crime that against the, the state bar association that you can commit as a lawyer, and for doctors, it's right up there, too. I mean, we can't just go into court and, and say whatever we want and try and make a case based on false assumptions and false wording and, and trickery and guile. That's, that's not what courts are for. They're there to get at the truth. And you say, well, you know, I've been in family court, and the judge said everybody lies when they come in here. That may be, but at the level of president or if you're a lawyer who's practicing in the court system, or if you're a doctor in the public eye and taking care of patients, you're expected to behave in a certain way. When I leave my office, I'm not Bill. I'm Dr. Bill. I'm Dr. Handelman. And my actions and my behavior can be held accountable. I can be held accountable for these actions and behaviors to the state board. It doesn't matter what I think. If I'm falling down drunk in public, I can be sanctioned. If I'm having relationships with a patient, I can lose my license over that. And it's similar for lawyers. Their code is not quite as strict as ours, but certainly when it comes to being an officer of the court and behaving in the manner that you're expected to, which is to be truthful, uh, they will lose their license, as Billy Clinton did. Big deal. He's still worth millions. And he still has the respect of <clears throat> half the country and most of the world. 
and a Barack Obama would too. I don't think we should make him a martyr, but if you think so, you can always give me a shout. I'm at 813-289-1860. That's 813-289-1860 and 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. Looks like we're getting close to the end of the show. <clears throat> and so I'm going to recap what I talked about, and I'm sorry about that little snafu in the first part of the show with the uh, with the uh, airing of the program. Basically, the Rosetta mission to put a probe on this little comet is nothing short of a technological miracle. I'm all for it. I hope that we can learn from this. I hope that we can find that there are some amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins in life, our life form, carbon-based life form. And I think that the money was well spent. I don't think that sending more money or more food to Somalia in the 1990s would have made any difference because the warring factions were trying to starve each other out. Oh, we got Lou from Tampa. Hey, Lou, come on, bud. What's up? Hey, I heard your uh, comment about impeachment. Well, all I know, I'm an ex... I'm a veteran. We took the same oath as all those politicians in Washington. We, we hold by it. Not, most of us do. And I think they should hold uh, taking their oath, too. So well, something I, should be done. What? I don't know. Yeah. All I know, he broke the same law that we took, all of us took. Everybody in Washington took the same oath as everybody in the military. I got brothers going back to the... World War II, Korea, I was the Vietnam era. But anyhow, that's my opinion. you got yeah. to do something. To do you know. nothing is worse than do something. Well, I agree, but uh, impeachment is a big act. Now, certainly right. Congress Congress could, could enact other laws that counter that move and without having impeachment. But I, I, I don't want to make a martyr out of this guy. No, no. I mean, he's already a saint in in many people's eyes. Uh, But, you know, that's part of the show business of being in the public arena. Back in uh, the last election, or the first election when he got in, I was listening to all the speeches. My son was eight eight years old at the time, and he said, you know, Dad, they should have to take a test before they run for office. Was he ever right? Oh, yeah. Well, it's getting close to the end of the show, Lou. I appreciate it. Thank you. And it's okay. close to the end of the show, so I want you to stay on the line and give Chris your name and address, and I'll have the wife send you out a, a little gift card for uh, one of the restaurants, some of the restaurants in the area. And appreciate you listening. I appreciate everybody listening. I'm glad to know somebody out there hears me. One of the guys in the lunchroom heard me last week. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? So as my wrap-up was going, you know, the impeachment of Andrew Johnson and Billy Clinton, uh, they both escaped being kicked out of office, but they had hostile Congresses, and this guy, President Obama, now has a hostile Congress, and I think he needs to consider very carefully his political moves in this arena. I don't know that he's going to really change, because I said early on he was an idealist, and I still believe it. And idealists don't make the best politicians. And they don't enact the best legislation either. Look at this Obamacare. This is ridiculous. Well, folks, got to go. Chris is barking at me. 
Love everybody. Appreciate you being here. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Ta-ta. All right now, how many dollars will you pay for it? Here we go. Find out on the auction block. 100 is the bid to bomb the deck of 200, 300. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.